Hi, and welcome back to the history of the British Isles. Sorry for being a total procrastinator and being many weeks late. I want to reorganise this podcast at some point, but now is not the time. This is episode 8, Becoming of the Saxons. As the Roman leader needs left Britain once and for all, the British started to reminisce about all the benefits and protection the Romans had given them. In contrast to earlier years, the Britons were now quite connected to Rome. Their lifestyles had become similar to the lifestyle of a Roman, and the Celtic culture had become absorbed into a new Romano-British culture. In addition, the Britons were now left open to raids from the sea and from the north. The Picts, seeing that their south was open, launched huge raids. The Britons to the south organised themselves under warlords in an attempt to counter the Picts, though this would be futile. The Picts and the Scottish tribes broke through the southern Britonic army like a sharp pencil through a tense piece of paper, the Britons offering no resistance against the Pictish storm. One of the most major warlords, Vortigern, invited Saxon mercenaries in an attempt to defend his land from the mad Pictish raiders. Two legendary names have been passed down to us, Hengist and Horsa. We do not know whether Hengist and Horsa are real people. Their names be Stallion and Horse. But we do know what happens next. The Saxons did their job very effectively and pushed back the Picts. In the process, they saw how wealthy and fertile Southern Britain was. So they didn't go. More Saxons as well as Angle and Jutes and probably even some Frisians came. These tribes, or people, whatever you want to call them, divided England. The remaining Southern Britons fled to Wales or Cornwall, some even to Brittany. We only have England and Wales as separate places today, most likely, because these tribes took England. Now let's look over who got what, for this will be important over the next couple of episodes. Northumberland, Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Cumbria and Lincolnshire, as well as the Midlands and Sussex, will be occupied by various Saxon tribes. If that sounds like a whole lot of garble, basically the the Saxons own the North, Middle and part of the South. The Angles own the southwest up to Devon, the East, uh, East Anglia and Sussex, basically the majority of the South, excluding Cornwall, as well as a portion of the East. Look at a map if you can't make any sense of this. The Dukes got, on the, 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 Dukes got the small end of the stick and only got Kent and the Isle of Wight, as well as a bit more of the Southeast. These lands were not all united, but divided between many separate tribes that did not consider themselves limited to the conquering the people of their own culture. This will form the Anglo-Saxon culture that would eventually become the modern English culture. Now I want to talk about the rest of the British Isles. The Irish were divided into many tribal states that were almost proto-feudal. These states were Christian, and that was one of the many one of the few things that united them. Occasionally a high king would rule over Ireland, but this never would last much longer than their reign. Let's let's now move on to Scotland. The West was Irish and called Dalriata, which entered into the Irish political system. The rest was split between different Scottish peoples, which I will go through now. The Picts were in the east, with the dominant kingdom being Fortoy, I sorry if I pronounced that wrong who raided England along the, along the east coast. In the southeast, the Britonic kingdom of Trathclyde was dominant. They were formerly Roman influenced but were never conquered. Religiously, Scotland was majority Irish Christian, 
which would, which would cause tension with new, the new pagan Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. Finally, I would like to talk about Wales. Like England and Cornwall, Wales was ruled by the Romans. As I said earlier, it was with Cornwall and being where the Britons retreated to. The warlords were able to stop the Saxon advance and, and cement Wales in the cultural history of the British Isles. It spoke the Celtic tongue, similar to Scotland or Ireland, and was divided between warring kingdoms, which were relatively large. The real problem that stopped Wales from being strong was succession. When a ruler died, the lands were divided between his sons. This led to kingdoms becoming smaller and smaller and fighting more and more. The gains a parent made would rarely be continued with his kids, who have fight to even own the same lands as him. That's all for today, folks, and see you next time.